0: I don't know why. I really, I,
1: I enjoy
0: Revelation. I enjoy reading it, thinking about it, teaching it, especially. I like to, because uh, it is a difficult book. I mean, there's no two ways around it. But I like to always sort of repeat the trope, making it, you know, where somebody one day is going to believe me that uh, that it's actually a very accessible book. That with, you know, a little bit of um, of a nod to, of course, what's difficult, and that's the language. Uh, the symbolism, the fantastic themes, and the imagery, and all that. Once you kind of get in that cadence and that rhythm, and you and you start to realize, well, gosh, I mean, what would we be without the Book of Revelation? What would the Bible be without the Book of Revelation? In terms of what it tells us about the reality of evil, and ultimately the reality of the triumph of God over evil. And in fact, justice exists, and there is an end to the story. And what little bit we do know about heaven uh and certainly all that we know about worship and massive chunks of of uh most particularly who Christ is and the importance of what he's done. Um I mean Revelation becomes just a book that just unlocks so much. And so this is just a short um series, uh five weeks kind of scattered throughout the um summer, certainly loaded in here in June, but weeks where I'm going to be here on a Sunday, uh to look at the last five weeks books of the Bible. hits um, the title, The End of the Book, uh, which is the last five books, of course, of Revelation. Um, i in Revelation 19. Today, we're also going to back up and read Revelation 4. There's Bibles down here, by the way, if you want to sort of read along. Probably a good idea. Um, if you want to read along, it's a good idea to have a Bible. A lot of people have them on their phone now, so you're welcome to do that. Um, and Thank you all very much. And we'll look at a, a flash mob later today of the of Hallelujah Chorus from Handel's Messiah, because, um, of course, we hear it here at least twice a year, both at Christmas and Easter. It's really not a Christmas song in any way, shape, or form, anything about Advent or incarnation. Second Advent, um, it would be, uh, but we sing it at Christmas just because it's Become tradition, uh, but uh, but but the text, almost all of it, comes from this chapter of Revelation. The Lord God Omnipotent reigneth, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. That's where we get the language. Is right here in Revelation 19. So, with that as an intro, um, let us pray. Gracious Father, take this time and make it yours. Come and be with us, before us. Um, open your Word to us, especially the uh, uh, these last. Um, words of the book, um, the book of Revelation, Um, help us, Lord, to see what you would have us see, to approach it with the proper sense of confidence that with faithfulness that with you reading with us, that we will be given something to know that is uh, uh, directed by you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So with that, um, uh, our text is really Revelation 4, and as always, just interrupt, make um, comments, questions. With uh, love, disagreements. Um, I always say that in theory, but uh, I do. I like I like that. It kind of spices up the conversation. Um, we're going to back up and read Revelation 4. It's a short chapter, only 11 verses. But Keith, if you know the Book of Revelation at all, the first three chapters are the letters to the seven churches. After a brief, pro- uh, yeah, the seven churches after a brief prologue, and then um, and then Revelation, as we normally think of it, comes into play um, with a with an oft-repeated verse. Uh, and after this, I look and behold uh, that's, that's, those are those are words which John uses frequently, which marks a transition and so this is a transition from sort of the circular letter um, uh, to seven churches, one letter to seven different churches or seven letters to seven churches, however you want to read it uh, and then he then he gets into the uh, to the apocalyptic to the end of all things to the end of time to uh, to the sort of looking behind the curtain at Oz and after this I looked and heaven was opened etc next week that's right no, two weeks two weeks we will look um, I think this will probably be the thing that surprises people the most um, somewhat uh, unsure of this statement um, meaning you could you could you could create an, a biblical, uh, argument of biblical theology for this, but heaven is not our last stop, as it were. Now that's what we normally think of—that we're going to die and go to heaven. Um, but the the resurrection of the body, which we talk about in um in uh in the uh, in the creeds that we say and in the Lord's Prayer, um, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that as the opening of Revelation 21 says, after this I looked and behold, the old heaven and the old earth had passed away and all was made new. That the redemption of God finally and fully when the eschaton occurs, and that's the final happening, the the end of all time, and where time now moves from chronos, tick, 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 to what what the Bible calls kairos, which is a time without time in it, which is good news, by the way, because I don't want to play a harp forever. Um, I mean, ten minutes would be great, but can you imagine? I mean, I think that's really the definition of hell. It might be hell where you are trapped in time. I mean, eternity through seconds, you know, that's not going to be heaven. That's not going to be the new heaven and the new earth come together. Um, Somehow we'll be suspended from time. Time won't be a part of it, and it simply will be. It simply will be an is. It will be a present indicative where it is and it's always going, and we're just sort of outside of time. It's as if you're reading a good book, you're into a good song or something, and you just lose track of time. It's that. Except, obviously, so much more. That's only assembly. So that's all to say, heaven is, uh, may not be sort of our last place. This sort of idea of going up to be with you know, the Lord and, and, and all whom we love in the clouds, that, that, that reunion is definitely going to occur. Uh, this is two weeks where now the dwelling of God is with men and with women and with all the gathered people of God. Full stop. That is our end, except it's just not what we normally think of in terms of this sort of cloudy, ethereal sort of thing. Um, it's going to be this invasion of a new earth, of a new um, redemption. So, a new Narnia. If you read the last battle, that's where C.S. Lewis was going. So, all that's really to say we get a, a, a peek here in Revelation 4 uh, to, uh, to what, um, what is heaven. And part of what heaven is, is the dwelling place of God. That's what you would say. And and uh, the word throne appears in the book of Revelation, gosh, I don't know, 40-something times, I think. And we hear it oftentimes here. We get a peek at the throne room, at the, the dwelling place of God. It's a fantastic vision. And primarily because we're going to hear for the first time in Revelation 4, and then we do our, our sort of more specific text work in Revelation 19. We're going to hear about the... Um, uh, the four living creatures uh, who also summon the four horsemen of the apocalypse, among other things. But they're the ones who sort of sit around the throne uh, with with God. Uh, and all they do is sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. That really awkward grammar, but which describes that timelessness of God. So um, the four living creatures are what really is we're coming into this. So Revelation 4. <coughs> After this I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet says, Come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. The imperative, what must take place, not what might or what may, but what must. Uh, uh, And at once I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne stood in heaven, and one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian, and around the throne was a rainbow and had the appearance of an emerald. Uh, just the, I won't go into a lot, of, just, just the simile, just the, the, uh, the language approaching like. Um, that which is not and cannot be limited or even described to language is now being tried, is you know, our best attempt at expressing it. Because usually it's kind of like that feeling when, dot, 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 that's the language of Revelation. Um, and around the throne were twenty four thrones, and seated on the thrones were twenty four elders, clothed in white garments, with golden crowns on their heads. And from the throne came flashes of lightning, and rumblings, and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass, like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. So these living creatures just around the throne, full of eyes in front and behind. Nothing that is escapes their attention. When you just have eyes everywhere, um, very much like the, the seraphim and the cherubim that, 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 that Isaiah saw in his vision um, when he was called, uh, it harkens back to that. They're not seraphim. They're a different part of the created order. Uh, but but uh, they're, um, uh, they see everything Um, uh, full of eyes in front and behind and the first living creature like a lion the second like an ox the third living creature with the face of a man and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight just the mightiest of the uh the wild animal of the birds of of uh of the domestic animals and then and then the 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 one in whom the image of god (coughs) excuse me the one in whom the image of god was placed man just the the image of the four And then the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within, and day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. That will be important um, when we look at Revelation 19. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him who is seated on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne, saying, in the words, submission and homage and a right relationship as they cast their crowns down before the one who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Worthy are you, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and praise, for you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. And so it's just. To bring us into the language of Revelation, this, this, uh, this first part of Revelation 4, really the prophecy, the vision uh, that was given by Christ to the Apostle John uh, of, of the reality of heaven, and especially the reality of worship. Worship is a compound word, worth-ship. And so when it talks about worthy or you, anytime we give worth, impute worth to something else, we're saying, that's worth something to me, that's a worship. That's a worshiping relationship. That's why we could say we worship money or our children or our job or whatever else because we're we're saying it's worth this much to me. That's worth 10% of my time or whatever. That's a worshipful relationship. At the end of the day, all worship will be directed only and fully to God and to God alone. Um, and so when we hear this idea of worship, our word is you. Um, we think worship. Worship is where that word comes in. So anyway, I'll pause. There's lots here. I'm not going to go through the phraseology like we will in Revelation 19, but just to get a sense of especially the four living creatures and the 24 elders uh, that are around the throne, around the uh, the place where God dwells, as it were, um, which is going to be the uh, the massive invasion of t- uh, Revelation 21 and 22, where now the dwelling place with God of God is with uh, with his creation. Right now, it's in the throne room. The throne room of heaven, so to speak. Any thoughts or questions? Comments or reactions? What's it like to hear this? Is it unusual in our ears? Do we connect with it? A nod. that's
1: indescribable.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. Almost always... I'm leaving a little bit of space. I just can't think of it right now. So I almost want to say every time it's, uh, it's in the language mostly of simile and sometimes metaphor. It's always and it seemed like or it seemed a sound of rushing waters or it was like a sea of glass. Um, and it doesn't take too much to, uh, to go back. We've kind of ruined ourselves where when it talks about a sea of glass, you know, clear as crystal. Well we we can do that now really easily, you know, in mass quantities. I mean back then trans true translucent glass was uh you know barely possible. I mean, painstaking uh you know trial and error. And so it was reserved for just the very most wealthy. I mean it would be something that you absolutely would 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 travel, you know, a long way and see it once in your life and go home and tell your kids, I saw this glass that was as clear as uh, as air. You know, that would be something that would just absolutely just blow you away. A marvel, that's the word. Uh, and We lose that a little bit, but still, you know, amethyst and carnelian and, and jasper, I mean, we, we 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 can still get the idea, the emotional weight that that might carry of a of just an other experience. Okay. So, um, as we're introduced to the, uh, four living creatures and the 24 elders, um, uh, let's flip over to Revelation 19. And this is where we'll spend some, uh, some time, the rest of our time, including five minutes with Handel. Um, uh, yeah, don't need to say any more. um, Let's take a break and just watch the the video, and then we'll go through and read it. Um, Handel's Messiah, obvious, and we're going to look probably. I hadn't decided this yet, but the last word, the last um, class, we'll probably look at the Amen chorus as well. Uh, but but today, just the Hallelujah chorus because it's so known to us uh, and so familiar. I said I, I can't leave this as a chance to sort of plant this in whoever comes us, so that we when we hear it twice. A year at some point we can go like that's in Revelation, you know, just as an anchor point to say those are words of the Bible, which we sometimes forget. King of kings and Lord of lords. It's not just sort of a nice, you know, phrase that, you know, was pulled out of nowhere by, by Handel and his libretto, his, the guy who wrote it. uh, uh you know it comes straight out of course the king james version of revelation 19 as does the lord god omnipotent reigneth um and if, uh so the repetition over and over and over again uh is where it comes the word hallelujah in fact uh is only appears in the english bibles in these four times in this chapter um it's not anywhere else in the bible it's in the psalms a lot but we usually translate it which means praise Ye the Lord, so that vacation Bible school song, remember, hallelujah, 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 pray, you know, that's what, did y'all sing that? Yeah. I did. <laughs> um, uh, it means praise you, so the command to the you, praise God. Um, you, praise God, the imperative, the command. Uh, hallelujah, um, which is short for Yahweh or Jehovah, if you were in Mark Genilet's class two weeks ago, we learned about that. Um... Uh, the only places it rests in the Bible, these f- uh, four times in Revelation 19. And so we pluck it out, and we sing it twice a year, this imperative, this command to uh, to uh, to sing. I thought it would be fun. I was like, well, we could just find an Advent place. We couldn't do that. Or find a, um, uh, you know, sort of a boring shot of the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. But this is a flash mob at Christmas, and it was pretty good. So... Um, and I thought, you know, we don't need to listen to it again, but yeah, we kind of do. It's fun. Um, so, the Hallelujah Chorus via Flash Mob. And it is pretty pretty great. I think our choir should do this, by the way. <laughs> I wish I were that guy. Wouldn't that be fun? Some people are just starting to stand up because you're supposed to, and they're. <laughs> Some are just eating their fries. <laughs> Comments, your thoughts?
1: It's an anti Amazon ad
0: right there. Yeah, that's
1: right. <laughs> it's funny how some people just ignored it. One
0: boy ran yeah. to the ATM yep. or whatever he and just kind of didn't even pause. Yeah, yeah. And then, then just, just kept eating there. And you know, fresh walk. Some them. were just taken. Just Saw that woman sort of reach for a son's hand. Yeah. That's what I noticed. You know, One person's crying. The guy was just sitting there smiling. Um, you know, this is a little digression, but uh, yeah, the familiarity with a piece like this can be both a real strength but also a real weakness, of course. Um, the weakness is it obviously becomes overly familiar and it loses some of its power. Just in our fallen human nature, we lose its uh the freshness to sort of break through, to transcend, to literally come through a barrier, trans and and, and invade. Uh, but at the same time, familiarity with a with with any art, with a with a visual art, with 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 with, with music, for me the most um, sort of common uh, for music for uh, for scripture. Um, just knowing it in and out, where you've been up and down that mountain a thousand times before, and you appreciate the nuance, and you've lived there, and say, "Oh, that peace right there, right that moment, where it really does sort of come in and break through—that's the foretaste of heaven. That's the place. And it can go a lot of places. Um, and that's—I uh, had some of the same sort of interactions with 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 this, um, watching in a slightly different format of people." Some being transcended by the peace. They're properly in a passive position. And others sort of unaffected. And that's, of course, a revelation-like description of the judgment at the end of the sheep and the goats, and the separation of them. Uh, but more than that, um, back to the text. I'm going to pick up this idea of the, the hallelujah, which properly so is a praise to God for... Uh, his mighty power as he is omnipotent and his kingdom shall reign forever and ever hallelujah 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 that's good news that all justice will in fact end and I mean all all evil will in fact be judged rightly and it shall come to an end all evil all suffering all uh, any form of want deprivation of absence of longing all of that in all manner of that, will be swallowed. And we'll see that. I mean, it's hard to impregnate it with too much drama, because the Bible really does work in some ways to this great crescendo of the last two chapters. Um, but, arrestingly, as we're about to see, the first hallelujahs, the first praise gods, um, praise ye the lords, is, uh, are very abrupt, very unhandelian, if you will, very unhallelujah chorus, where we're going to see... That we uh, are committed to praise God for um, for the judgment of the whore of Babylon, as we looked at last week um, in somewhat of an arresting way. So, with that, let's turn to Revelation 19, and we'll uh, we'll do our text work. But any other thoughts with the the video or the chorus? Anything else? Questions? Yeah,
1: I think one thing that struck me about that video is. Uh, we're,
0: we're made to worship. and I mean, that's hmm. sort of nature. Mm-hmm. So we're worshiping something all, all the, the time. All the time. Worship. We're giving right. ourselves something. And so, and
1: it's often, most of the time, not where it should be. But it's like that pulls everybody's focus who was listening to what, to who should be worshipped. Right. And, you know, it, it, the other things don't fulfill, they promise, but they don't. And that that does you know, worshiping God does fulfill
0: ultimately our deepest needs. Amen. But just pulling them everybody together like that just know, gave me that feeling. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I love how they had just diversity in the ordinary. I mean, I have that. Totally. So yeah. Poignant yeah. to see old, young. Yeah. You know, just all different parts. God breaking through the mundane. My summer wreck, which is a book I really do recommend. Um, i and amen. And we'll end um, looking at the... Uh, it will not be an option for any part of the created order when God does break through. It will not be an option, which is, of course, an affront to our American sensibility. We want to have options left open to us all as long as possible. It will not be an option who we will worship. At the end of time, it, it simply is. The one who was and who is and who is to come Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is... Just the created order will be restored in the new heavens and the new earth. And there will be separation. But there will be no mistaking in terms of... Well, today I'm not really into it in heaven. I'm not going to... I'm going to go see a movie instead. It's just going to be a suspension of all things where where there's... The, the only thing worshipped is God. Because he's the only thing that has any worth. Um, and we get that from the text. So Revelation 19... Um, very similar to the opening of Revelation 4. And after this, I heard what seemed to be, so you hear the, the language of simile, what was like, what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven, crying out, the great multitude, every nation in heaven, from Revelation 7, uh, every, uh, of a great multitude in heaven crying out, Hallelujah, praise God, praise Yahweh, praise Yah, Hallelujah. Yah, um, salvation and glory and, uh, and power belong to our God. For his judgments are just, are true and just, for he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. That's where we were last week, if you remember that, if you were here last week. That, uh, that here, it's very sort of un-Hallelujah chorus that the first praise God is for his just judgment on <coughs> that which is wicked, on that which is... Uh, Damaging to to the creation, uh, to God's creation, the, the the whore of Babylon, the great prostitute, um, who rode in on the beast, um, this uh, this parasitic relationship where we see evil beginning even just to sort of leave her behind, and that be sort of the advancements of civilization and all of its sort of decadence, etc. and so forth, um, finally and fully being judged, and here we are, or at least the multitude in heaven. Praising God for this judgment. There's a there's a there's a judgment on us in this word. In other words, and then once more they cried out Hallelujah. The second time that word comes, the smoke from her, the uh, the judgment of the great whore of Babylon, um, goes up forever and ever. That for, the forever and ever, that's the. Um, that's forever and ever that is it's irreversible it's it's happening and there is no point of redemption afterwards that that judgment will be complete final and swift like we heard last week in one hour the judgment will come and it will be total and absolute and and it doesn't have sort of a second option at the end of it god's omnipotence for the lord god omnipotent reigneth it's really breaking through here. When we start to reckon with God on God's terms, it's a a terrible thing to fall into his hands, as the writer of Hebrews would remind us. We're standing there, seeing behind the curtain of this. um, Whatever it's describing, it's describing something completely and wholly other, because he's setting up for the good news of now the dwelling uh, of God is with his people. And the 24 elders that we heard about in, um, in, in, uh, in Revelation 4. The 24 elders, you know, 24, twice times 12, universality, the 12 tribes of Israel plus the 12 apostles. In other words, all of God's um, people. Is that a question? Or just um, uh, The 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshipped God. Remember what they had been doing all this time praising God, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come, where we get that in our prayer. Um, Remember Thomas Cramner arranged the Bible for worship. All of that that we say in the Eucharist all has just drippings from the Scriptures. Um, So the four living creatures here, because time is about to come to an end. Um, Things are about to move. The new heaven and the new earth, the old order of things is passing away. The new has come. Their word is about to change. This is really kind of, kind of amazing. The four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who was seated on the throne, saying, Amen, Hallelujah. Two words. That's it. Their last words. They fall down after all this time, praising God, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and is. And now they say, Amen, Hallelujah. Now, we've talked about hallelujah several times. The word amen is a fascinating word. We hear Jesus say, truly, truly, I say unto you. He's saying, amen, amen, I say unto you. Amen. Some say it's probably the oldest word in the world, um, at least the one that's used. becomes comes out of the Hebrew, and then it was just carried over straight from the Hebrew into the Greek, and then from the Greek into the Latin, and then from the Latin to all of the Latin roots, and from the Greek into all the Greek roots, and so, if you go to Italy or Bolivia or Ukraine, places I've been, you know, everywhere, "Amen" is a word that everybody understands. It's it's some some would say it is the universal word, um, and it's the last word um, among the very last words that's being spoken in the old heaven. Um, "Amen." It means. Uh, it really is sort of like the, the appendage on um, on the political ads. My name is Gil Cracky, and I approve of this message. It's sort of that. Truly, I stand in this. This is me. Um, uh, I, I, at some risk, I place myself here. I'm staking a claim. Um, all of that sort of comes in, and, it, and, it, and that's the word amen. So when you say amen to somebody else's prayer or to a prayer, you're saying, this is me. This is a significant part of me. This has worth to me. I am placing this in a relationship to who I am. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures, they say, Amen. Praise God. The one who is worthy of worship. Heaven is coming to an end. I mean, it really has a lot of drama here. And then from the throne came a voice saying, and, and we don't know everything because we don't know this voice. You would assume, okay, voice from the throne it must be God. But then it says, praise our God. So God's not talking to himself here. We don't know the voice. It's just, it's still, it's still the impenetrable mysteries that, 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 that the, uh, and we'll see this when, when the rider on the white horse comes, where it's still just there and we don't know. So this voice emerges from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, you who fear him, small and great. Again, the universality of it all. Um, All who fear him, small and great, whether kings or cobblers, whatever else. Praise God, all you who fear him, small and great. And then the shift, um, starting in verse 6. And then I heard, very similar to to verse 1. And then I heard what seemed to be like the voice of a great multitude "...like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of a mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah!" Now this is um, uh, Handel's Messiah. "...Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns." King James, "...for the Lord... um, what is it? Um, King of Kings, for the Lord our God, Omnipotent reigneth." That's where we get that. "...for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready." it was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. So the marriage of the lamb, the marriage of his bride, um, that be us, the church, um, finally and fully, uh, being contrasted, of course, very much to uh, uh, to the great whore, the prostitute, that we just heard about in the previous two chapters, where she wore, you know, God forbid, pearls and gold, and wore purple and scarlet, you know, very sort of, You know, sort of loose colors, I guess. All, uh, you know, who's wearing purple? Sorry, Julie. (laughs) Um, I don't know what the Bible's wanting to say about that, but but he comes with uh, with fine linen, bright and pure. um, And the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. Now, I won't go long on here. I can't um, disagree with the NIV and the ESV, both of whom who who translate the word dikaiosumata. I think is the the way. I forget the derivative. just the righteousness of the saints. The righteousness is not our own, but the righteousness given to us uh, by uh, the finished work of Christ. Um, the, the King James and the RSV retain that. They wanted to go to the righteous deeds. Anyway, that's something we can talk about later if you want. Um, For the fine linen is the righteousness or the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who, invited, who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. And then I fell down at his feet to worship him, John, to an angel. And the angel said, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers uh, who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The angel is simply reminding him very much what you were saying, Rita. There is one thing and one thing only that is an object of worship, and that is God alone. There is no place in Christianity for worship of anything other than god it's a forceful statement i'm zooming through all this because these are the next These next uh through verse 16 we'll stop there this is uh this is great stuff so we've got the marriage um being prepared and sort of unlike our tradition where the bride you know sort of comes out last and that's the <gasps> moment well here it's the uh, it's the groom when the groom comes onto the scene the air is sucked out of the room um this is the final coming. This is the the second advent. This is the the time, and Joe even mentioned in his sermon, this is when we see Christ coming again. Like we say in the creeds, um, from thence, from heaven, he shall come to judge the quick, the living, and the dead. And this is it. This is where it happens. And, uh, and it's very cool. It's all clean eastwood and all that stuff. Pale rider, except that was the four horsemen. This is the final rider who comes in on a white horse, uh, where it says, And then I saw heaven opened. Again, just like Revelation 4, which we just read. And then I saw heaven opened. And behold, a white horse. White horse, obviously, the, uh, the, uh, the steed of a king, of victory, of final um, and ultimate um, conquering power. Uh, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True. Watch the, watch the importance of names. I think four, maybe five times. It's going to talk about the importance of names. He's going to have a name written on his thigh, which is called King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's going to have another name that's known only to himself. We hear that his name is called the Word of God or Faithful and True. I mean, names, which still, to us, they matter. Um, they carry our lineage, you know, Frederick Lee Cracky Jr., um, or Mary Caroline Crackey, carrying our family into it, that sort of stuff. But for for, for in, in antiquity's sake, and we still have this sum. But then it would it would describe the character and the very nature of a person. Um, Hosea most famously, where uh, uh, what were the name of the children? Lo ami, for instance, was the child's name, and that means not a person. <laughs> and that was the name. Hey, lo ami, come play with us. Hey, not my person. Come, you know, are not loved. You know, lo ruhama or whatever it was. Uh, the, the, it was thought to say that the name carried the um, uh, the character of the person. So when 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 Jesus changed uh, Simon's name to Peter, little stone, and upon this stone I shall build my church, you know, he was carrying the character of the person. Part A. Part B. Another part had a sense that to know a name knows. Uh, uh, means that you had some power over the person. If I turn around and you call, hey Gil, and I turn, you've got some power over me because you know my name. And then, hey, hey, and I don't know who you are. So it's got all that. And that's going to matter here because the names become so central. Again, without revelation, what will we know about Christ? We'd know a lot. But here, the allusions to so much of the scriptures, especially Isaiah and other prophets, um, as well as so many parts of, um, of uh, uh of the Bible, Genesis 1-1, 1 1-1, 1, John 1 1, 1 John 1 1, which all has to do with the Word of God. And the beginning was the Word, and the Word spoke, and then things happened. This is the capstone. You can tell I get excited about this. I mean, it's really pretty cool. So we're going to end on this. And then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war, vindication for all evil and suffering. Uh, his eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his heads are many diadems and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. So again, you know there's a certain hiddenness to, to Christ, an impenetrable death where it's only known to God his truest and deepest and fullest nature. You know that sense of uh, of you know we, we can know the deep things of God through the Holy Spirit, that's what Paul says in First Corinthians. But we don't know all things because God is the only one who does. And they have this relationship, the Father and the Son, that will never be given to us a no. And then also, he he answers to no one. No one has absolute power and authority and dominion over Christ because he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. He has a name known only to himself that he can answer to no one else because it's totally and utterly reserved to him. And he is clothed in a robe dipped with blood, his own blood, um, the power of Calvary. That's where he gets his power and his dominion and his kingship and his lordship um, is in his uh, uh, substitutionary atonement for us. And the name by which he is called is the Word of God, the Logos Theos, you know, that in the beginning was the Word. Uh, and the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen white and pure were following him on white horses and so here comes the uh, the legions of angels behind him all on white horses but you know they're just ornaments watch what do they do not a thing they don't have a weapon they don't do a thing when when the rider on the white horse comes and all he has is the word on his tongue which is like a sword hebrews also says that uh that's all that's needed watch the Watch the relative anticlimax climax that comes. Because when he comes on the scene, it's just, it's just done. Um, the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword, the word of God, which with to strike down the nations. And he will rule them, because the government is on his shoulders, remember, uh, with a rod of iron. And he will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, of the Lord Almighty, and on his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And then jump down to verse 20 um, or 19. And then I saw the beast and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him. So they line up. They're about to sort of come in. This isn't yet Satan. That's next week. But uh, but sort of the the junior devils and the junior tempters and all that. They line up to come to uh, to fight the rider with all of his ornaments behind him. Uh, And with it the false prophet, who in the presence uh, had done signs by which he deceived those who had received the mark of the beast, 666, and and those who worshipped his image. And these two were thrown alive into the lake of fire, and the fire that burns with sulfur. And the rest were slain by the sword that came from the mouth of him who was sitting on the horse, and all the birds were gorged with their flesh. Just to say, you look for details of the battle, and there are none. And either, he said, you know, it's not important to go into battle. It raged, you know, hard and fast for 16 days, and there was kind of a going back and going. I was like, no, that's not what happened. There was no battle. At the end, you know, the beast and his armies came up, and they lined up to do battle against it, but there was no sort of like, I hope good wins, I hope the rider wins. It was It was a non-contest from the beginning. As soon as he opened his mouth, that which is spoken happens. And as it were, he said, "Defeat," and they were bound up and thrown into the lake of fire. Um, and, and Satan's coming next week, so there's just that sense of the last battle, which is relatively anticlimactic. When he comes on the scene, it's just everything else falls away. Um, so, 20 seconds <laughs> thoughts. It's pregnant with so many, so many things. read mark learn and really digest uh this uh these last chapters of of, of the bible um they're, they're really rich and next week we'll do revelation 20 this is the uh the end of satan um sort of the time this is where all the millennium stuff comes in you know the, the whole thousand years which we all lived through in 1999 um the left behind stuff all the tim hay so if we want to jump into that, I'll try to leave some time. So, let us pray. Gracious Father, um, speak your word and allow it to go forth, uh, judging us rightly, but freeing us to uh, to worship you and you alone. Um, come, Lord Jesus. Um, correct me where I was wrong, but strengthen your word and allow it to be the that which stands. I beg this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.